Amen. One person. One out of 200, that's not bad. <laughs> Who's glad they met at the church this morning? Fantastic. I'm glad I made it. Because as I've been preparing this um, message, and um, Pastor Hartley was so kind enough to say that, you know, relationships is my forte. Well, I know there are more qualified people in the room than I am. But as I prepared and sought God, and then looked at my own experiences, my own failures, and some successes, I thought, you know what, God, I'll present it, and you can do something with it, I know. Right now, I just want to welcome uh, our friends in the New Life Service. It's good to see you again. Fantastic. And to all of you here. Ash and Laura. Wow. Marriage seminar coming up. You heard about that? <laughs> uh, we do pray and celebrate with you guys for a great future. That's amazing. Ashley comes to my connect group. And on Friday night, our connect group meets on a Saturday morning. On Friday night, I am only guessing it was about 8, 9 o'clock maybe, sends me a text. He says, oh, man, I'm sorry to send you such a late message. I won't be able to attend tomorrow. Something's come up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Now we know what come up. You're more important than my connect group. Did you know that? <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. Hey, the Bible says to give honor to our spiritual leaders. And right now, I just want to take, you know, a couple of seconds just to say thank you to Pastor Harley and Pastor Natalie for the job that you guys are doing, for the answering the call on your life and for the sacrifice that you make, for the love that you show each and every one of us. Right now, we just want to say thank you so much. I'm not sure whether I'm supposed to say this, but today it's Pastor Nat's birthday. I'm sorry in advance, guys. But, and she's out there at Bankstown preaching a message right now. How great are these two couples, eh? Amazing. Thank you once again. The theme we have been on is the greatest of these. And it comes out of a scripture where um, it talks about the only three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And it finishes off that passage of scripture by saying, the greatest of these is love. Ah, love is a word that gets used so loosely sometimes. I love my hamburger. <laughs> I love fishing. I don't like golf, but that doesn't matter. But love has been used so loosely. I can turn around and change it and say, I enjoy fishing. I enjoy a good hamburger. I enjoy a good meal, you know. But love, it's kind of like a four-letter word that really has so much meaning that sometimes the meaning has been taken out of it because we lose it, use it so loosely. Love conquers all, the Bible says. Well, loving a hamburger doesn't conquer anything except the hamburger. <laughs> but love, God is trying to tell us that God is love and God conquers all. See, the very essence and nature of God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So we look at the word love sometimes and devalue, take away from what it's really worth by the way we use it. So when I say I love you to my wife, I don't want her to think that I love her like a hamburger. The wife said amen. <laughs> I, want, I want her to understand the meaning of the word love. And I want to say it as often as I can. Some, sometimes, guys, we kind of, I don't know, think that we're weak if we turn around and say to people we love but you know what? It's a sign of strength. It is an absolute sign of strength to stand before men and say, I love my wife. I love my children. I love my church. I love my job. 
Use it in its proper context. You can still love hamburgers, I don't mind really. But, you know, but use the word love in its proper, proper context so that way it can be communicated better to the people that we really do love, the people in our world. Relationships. Wow. Um, any fathers or mothers in the room here? There's relationships. Any sons or daughters in the room here? More relationships. Any employees or employers? Relationships. Any friendships? Any engaged, recently engaged people? Relationships. We're like, you know, in the Bible, God turns around and he says, you know, I've created the world, the heavens, the earth, the waters, the trees, the plants, the animals. Then he creates man. And he starts an amazing relationship with man. Him and Adam are having an awesome time seeing each other on a daily basis. But God knew something. Adam needed more. He needed to relate with his own kind. He needed more. He needed more relationship. So God intended, okay, for us to have relationships. Some relationships, magnificent. Some, not so good. Let's call them a work in progress. When we look at the context that love came out of, the scripture comes from 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 7. And if you allow me, I just want to read one verse at a time. And if you want to, uh, it'll be up on the screen and you can read it with me. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but did not love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I don't know what a noisy gong sounds like, but my son is a drummer. I know what a cymbal sounds like, a clanging cymbal. So therefore, how many people speak more than one language? Okay, a few of us. If you were able to speak every language under the earth, and every language in heaven, language of angels, you would be absolutely nothing, it says here, if you can't do it with love, if you can't love others. Verse 2 says, if I have the gift of prophecy, and that's an awesome gift, don't take anything away from it. And if I understood all of God's secrets, again, another great gift, where you have people who have word of knowledge, and plans, and possessed all the knowledge, and if I had faith to say to this mountain, move, but did not love others, I would be nothing. How many times are we so impressed by preachers that come up on stage and they have the gift of prophecy and they sit there and they look at you because you're wearing red and they will prophesy into your life and you think, how did he know that? Or they come around, they have so much faith that you come out here with a sickness and they pray and they move the mountain out of your body and it's gone and you're healed. And you think, wow, the power of God. But the Bible here is clear saying that these gifts are true and good. But if you didn't love others, amounts to nothing, absolute nothing. God is placing such an emphasis on love that I think we may have missed it, may have missed it, going through this life of loving hamburgers and fishing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, that is a noble thing to do. Verse 3, and even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others... I would have gained absolutely nothing. We give, you just seen it. We're a generous church. 
And I know that we give out of the goodness of our heart and out of the love for this city and the people in it. But if we did it just because it's a good thing to do and didn't do it out of the love, we've actually gained absolutely nothing. To the world, it would look as it's a really noble and good thing to do. But to God, (laughs) he didn't do it out of love. It means nothing. Then Paul goes on and says, love is patient and kind. Man, how tough is that? Love is patient and kind. I've got to be patient with my wife. I've got to be kind to her. I've got to be patient with my children. Who's got kids? That's really easy, isn't it? I've got to be kind to them. I've got to be patient with my pastors. I've got to be patient with people I know in church. I've got to be patient with my bosses. I've got to be patient with my workers. I've got to be kind to them. Love is patient and kind. It's not jealous. You know what? We really need to get a handle on what God is saying to us here. Be happy for one another rather than get jealous for one another. Be happy for the things that God's given us. It's not boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. Well, hang on, I've got a problem with that one because I like my way. It's either my way or the highway. That's what I've always said. But it doesn't align with God's word. I've got to take my way of thinking, put it aside and align it with God's word so I can actually get what God has for me in my life. So it doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. I think he should have taken that one out. There are so many people in my life that irritate me. (laughs) Seriously. And I probably irritate a lot of people as well. I don't know. But, you know, it says that love is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. Well, hang on a second. 20 years ago, my wife, I better not tell you. (laughs) Honestly, why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we keep a record of things that people have done wrong in our life? You know know what happens with that? We kind of like hold on to it. We miss out on a lot of joy and a lot of blessings in between because we've hung on to it. We actually don't allow the next relationship to go to another level because we've still hung on to something that happened 20 years ago. It is, it is an ugly thing. And he's saying here, it doesn't keep a record of wrongs, but it does rejoice. It does not rejoice about injustices. Don't brag about the things you've done that are wrong. Oh, I have, it took him at 250 miles an hour. You should have seen his cargo. You don't brag about injustices. It says, it says, but rejoice whenever the truth wins out. And I love hearing true stories. I love hearing true, and I rejoice in that because there's truth. Love never gives up. Don't give up on your people. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your husband. Don't give up on your wife. Don't give up because love doesn't give up. I'm not saying stay in a damaged relationship or an abusive relationship. I'm not saying it at all. But I'm saying, you know what? A little mistake here and there. Expectations not met. Don't give up on it. It's worth fighting for. Believe you me, relationships are worth fighting for. Good relationships, they're worth fighting for. Doesn't matter what the cost is, it's worth fighting for. Doesn't matter how much time it takes, it's worth fighting for. They're an amazing, God, God brings great people into our lives. And that, you know, from my experiences, it's when I've been selfish and thought about me rather than the other person, that's when chaos happens. That's when everything starts to go wrong 
And the Bible makes it so clear to think of others, of others more important than myself. More important than myself. Love never loses faith. God never loses faith in you. He's always, always looking for the best in each and every one of us. Always. Don't lose faith in the people, will you? Oh, I've been waiting so long for him to change. Don't lose faith. He'll change. He's probably been waiting for you to change as well. I don't mean that like to be judgmental, but it's true. You can't keep pushing the red button and expect a different answer. Try pushing the yellow one sometimes or the green one to get a different result. You're waiting for him to change. Why don't you start changing? You're waiting for her to change. Why don't you start changing? Change. Because change brings around change. Doing the same thing over and over again just brings out the same result over and over again. Allow change. Don't lose faith and always be hopeful. The hope of the world lives with us. Jesus is our hope. Always be hopeful that things will come good. Like I said earlier, look, I don't, I don't care how bad your situation is. I've got a God who is bigger than any situation I've ever come across. I'm 56 on Tuesday. It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. And, and I've had... I've had some trials and I've had some big mountains in my life. Um, not enough to tell you about them, but I've also seen God move into every one of them. You know, I'm, I'm a proud dad of three, and um, 23 is my eldest, 21 is my um, little young princess, and 18 is my youngest. And I've had some trials, you know, bringing them up. I've had trials in my relationship with my wife. But nothing has been bigger than what God can do in my life. And it's when I've got down on my knees and I've said, I really need help. I really, really need help in this. So never lose faith. Always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. When you read that, not one verse at a time, love is patient, love is kind, it's never irritable. I come to it a conclusion at the end of it that that is a level of love I have not reached yet. It's, an, um, it's a really high standard. But if I change the word, God is patient instead of love is patient. God is kind. God is not irritated by me. God is beautiful because God is love. Then that starts to make more sense. But you know what I hold on to? I hold on to the scripture in Philippians 1.6. It says, And I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. See, that's where my confidence lies. My confidence lies in the word of God, the word of God that gets highlighted while I'm reading the word of God. So as I continue to listen to the spoken word of God when someone's up here preaching, as I continue to allow his word as I'm reading to challenge me, and if it convicts me to do something about it, as I continue to surrender, I know, I know, guys, it's a really, a word that you don't want to hear. But you know when we raise our hands, we're surrendering. We're rejoicing and we're saying, you know what, have your way in me, Lord God. This is like surrendering. When I do that, when I make time for him, 
not to brag, honestly, this isn't a brag, but I get up early, for some of you it's unheard of, at about five o'clock in the morning. For what reason? Because I enjoy getting up early? Far from the truth. But because I have a busy schedule throughout my day, I don't want to miss out on the relationship that I have with God. So what I do is I communicate that to him by getting up a little bit earlier and saying, you're worth it. And I can sit down and I can read what he has to say. And then I can commit my day to him. And if I'm going through some stuff, I also talk to him about it. I can commit them to him early in the morning. Whatever area I'm struggling in, it's a relationship that I've worked on. Work, yeah, I know, another bad word, eh? But yeah, relationships need work. They need time. They need energy. One of my... Okay, one of my worst fears prior to getting married was that I would wake up one morning and not be in love with my wife. And it dragged on for ages and I couldn't get over that fear. Then finally, we broke up because it just, there was a fear in me. I didn't want to ever, like, I know that marriage is forever and I wanted something that would last forever. We broke up for about six months. It was the worst time of my life relationship-wise because who knows when your heart is broken, just about everything else around you is broken. So in that relationship, I was a mess because I was too demanding. I wanted to be sure. I wanted a guarantee. I wanted insurance that she'll love me forever. And you know that's not going to happen. But I knew what my heart was saying in that six months. I knew that I, I needed to be with her. I loved her that much to take the risk. So what I'm saying here is relationship is a risk. Relationship is a risk. But then when you work hard at it, you can get it to succeed. Just like starting a new business. We take risk. We invest money. We invest time. You know, at the cost of so much to try and get this business to grow. That's a big risk. But then you see the returns when you're up most nights doing it, when you're staying out back late. So in your relationship, you can spend time staying up late to pray if there's a problem, Stay, making time, working back to make sure the help is there, that you're working together in one mind and one purpose. It's hard work, but the rewards, like I said, at the age of 56, with three beautiful children and a wife, are well worth it. Well, well worth it. You might be sitting there and thinking, well, Mick, it's easy for you. It's going your way. You've got it all. You're living the dream. Well, I'll tell you, like I said, I've got so many stories I can tell you where I wasn't living the dream. I've got so many stories I can tell you where I thought my life was going to end. So many stories. My other, ha my other fear was prior to getting married was my children looking at me and then turning away and never coming to me ever again or knowing me. So the song, I think it's called The Cats in the Cradle and the Spoons, never have time for me, Dad, so I'm not going to make time for you. So I made, I made 
this decision probably when Bradley was two. No, sorry, it was actually when Brittany was just born, so Bradley would have been three. I made this decision. I'm, not, I'm a self-employed contractor, and I was working six days a week. Um, I made this decision. I'm not going to work Saturdays anymore. There's a dollar value to that that's not important right now because my children's welfare was much more important when I made this decision. So I made a decision, no more Saturdays anymore. I'm working five days and I'm going to be spending my Saturday with my wife and my children doing what family needs to do, spend time together and enjoy one another. And then Sunday was church. We come to two services, a.m. and p.m. And in between, we might get an hour of um, feasting and maybe watch the idiot box for a little bit or a football game or something and then back here to do more of what God's called us to do. So, but seeing that, can I just encourage those that come once a month? This isn't judgment on you, but can I just encourage you? Doing that and committing to that, I've seen my children thrive in the house of God. I have seen them thrive in the house of God, but I've cried a lot. I've prayed a lot. I've spent so much time on my knees. You have no idea why. Because I thought it was valuable. I thought they were valuable enough to do that, to pay a price to make sure. I communicated myself properly. And when I didn't, can I be honest with you? At the age of five, I said sorry to my son. At the age of nine, I said, sorry, I don't know how to do this. I'm trying my best. Please work with me. At the age of 15, I've never, ever been in this situation before. Please, Bradley, help me out here. Brittany, please, I, look, I might get it wrong, but just understand. You know why I did that? Because the Word of God instructs me in the way I speak to my children. Not to provoke them to anger. Not to say this is my way or the highway. Not to break, put a, a wedge or, or break any ties with, or anything in the relationship at all. It was to build a relationship. At one point in time, Bradley's, um, sorry, Brad. <laughs> At one point in time, just like a normal teenager, things were changing and I didn't like the change. You know, and, and I was reacting in a way. Didn't I tell you not to do that? How many times do I have to tell you? Those that can relate, put their hands up. No, no one here, you guys are all holy. <laughs> How many times? And then this is, again, it won't happen unless I'm in the presence of God. And it was in the presence of God that he spoke to me and he said, when you make a mistake, is that how I respond to you? Wow. Wow, did that hurt? Did that hurt? So I started to try and be conscious in how I was responding to whatever Bradley was doing. And in the end, I started saying, you know what? It's okay, mate. Try again. Do it again. It was hard because my insides are burning. I just want to rip him apart. <laughs> Uh, but it was, it was change, allow change, because I didn't want my son seeing me up here preaching a gospel that I don't practice at home. Hello? Yes. You won't want your children to hear you say things at church, to hear you behave really great at church, raising hands, worshiping God, but the minute you get home, you're a different person. You don't want that. I didn't want that. That was a fear of mine. To be called a hypocrite, I'm sorry, but that was like, that would have broken my heart, okay? So I had to work hard. Again, work. It's a, it's a, it's a like, it's 
a really good word when you put it together, but work hard at home to make sure who I am was seven days a week, not just Sunday. Not just Sunday. It was God's plan for us not to do it alone, people. It was God's plan. Why would he say that and then let you do it on your own? Words. Words can kill or heal. Psalm 49.3. Probably thrown the screen, guys, off the track here because we've sidetracked a little bit, but that's okay. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. The Bible says that we're to be gracious to one another. How we speak to each other is really, really important. And this is why I was saying before, I, I kept apologizing. I made sure sorry wasn't a word that was, that was hard for me to say because I'm not perfect. I am a work in action, in progress, and I will make mistakes. So my, my children need to know that. My friends need to know that. My wife does know that. <laughs> she does know that. So if you want to know anything about me, good or bad, ask her. She'll tell you the truth. Good communication makes good friends. So when you need to be clear, when it becomes your personal, like something comes around your personal boundaries, you need to be clear to people that you do it in a gracious manner. Be sensitive to their feelings as you say, as you say it. Because how we communicate it is really, really important. You can turn around and say, don't do that. Or you can turn around and say, hey, I've got a better idea. What do you say we try it this way? You get different results. So how we communicate that is really, really important. When you tell people you love them, you know what I love? I love the story of Jonathan and, and um, David, two grown men, but yet shared a love that was so godly that actually at, um, Jonathan risked his life for it. And it was what? Words. If you read them, the words they spoke to each other were words of love, words of grace. It may be true that your problems, more problems, are forgotten than ever solved because it's easier to sweep things under the carpet. We don't want confrontation, see? Because the ugly giant that's within us might rise up and we may say things that we may regret. But I'll tell you what, healthy confrontation is good. Nothing gets solved by sweeping it under the carpet. It's okay. I know there's a danger in it as well. Because when I come and confront, let's say my wife or my sons, or I know that there's a danger that things may escalate and, and get heated. But you know what? We can ask for wisdom that when we see that happening, we can just withdraw or divert or just change. Because if I wronged you and we never ever spoke about it, our relationship will never ever go further never get deeper, it will stay at that same level, maybe even get worse. Never, never dealt with it. We need to deal with it. We need to deal with it right. We need to choose the right time and the right place. And if need be, have a third person there. Sometimes Pastor Harley's probably the best person to have in those situations. Harley, you're gonna get a lot of emails this week. <laughs> your words are the vehicle through which your thoughts are conveyed and your tongue is the driver. Wow. You know, um, there's a scripture that says, Lord, give me words of wisdom. Give me words of wisdom. 
can I, can I just encourage each and every one of us? We're Christians. We're in church. We believe in the power of God. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Can I just encourage each and every one of us to invite the Holy Spirit into every conversation? Especially the difficult ones. Because when you come up and say, Lord, give me words. Help me to be gracious. Help me to put feelings aside. Laura, being engaged, you're probably feeling great right now, yeah? Absolutely. But I'll tell you this truth now. Feelings will come and change and what have you. But your commitment is the thing that will never, ever change. So my commitment to my friends, my commitment to my wife, my commitment to my children, never, ever change. I've made that commitment. I've said, yes, I do, till death do us part. Not just to my wife, but to my children and to my friends, to my church. Can I ask the band to come up right now? Thanks. So the Holy Spirit is a great driving instructor. Having him there in the vehicle when you're talking about things, he'll direct you. And the more you do it, the more you practice it, the more you'll actually hear and know his voice. All my words, all the words, last uh, scripture was Proverbs 8.8. 8. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. Um, just this morning, I just felt on my heart that there's a couple of relationships in my life that I'm struggling with right now. And I'm thinking all of us, you know, are, are living with people. Some may be irritating, some may be frustrating, some must be annoying, some can be great when they're asleep. But all of us are living with people, working with people. And I'm not just talking about the little things, but if there are any relationships here, and these are the ones that were God put on my heart this morning. Number one, children are a gift from God. And I said earlier, I don't know what I'd do if there was a damage in relationship with my children. But if you're here today and there's a relationship issue with children, I just believe God's going to do a work in that. Another thing God put on my heart was marriages. He said, hey, he created them. He put them together. He put two people so different together and told them to love one another. And that, that is really dear, as you heard from my preach too, that it's dear to my heart. And, and if you're here today, and you know, it doesn't have to be at the point of divorce, but don't let it escalate to the point of divorce. Let's deal with it now. Don't look at throwing it away. Because when your car breaks down, you take it to a mechanic and you get him to fix it or replace the part. But when marriages start to play up, what do we do? Ignore them and wait for them till they escalate so that it becomes null and void? $50 is a very, very low price to pay for a seminar that's only going to build on what you've already got. I'm not asking you to pay 50 bucks today, but I'm asking you to open up your heart right now so that God can work it, do a work in it. Don't think about throwing away a relationship. The other thing he put in my heart was brothers, sisters, siblings. 
I don't know what your relationship's like with your brothers and sisters and siblings, but I lost relationship with mine for almost 12 years. And it cut my heart that I couldn't see my nephews and nieces. So I know there's pain involved in that. But you know, bitterness can rise up in it as well. We're in a church that believes in the mercy and the forgiveness of God. But can you imagine what mess we'd be in if God forgave the way we would we do? We'd be in a right old mess, wouldn't we? But God's asking us now to lay that pride down and just start forgiving. Brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, doesn't matter. Just start forgiving. Because you're not going to go further and they'll continue on hurting you for years and years because you've hung on to it. They probably didn't even know that they've done it. Last but not least, time. You know, we get caught up with paying bills, mortgages, working for a living. But at the price, sometimes it comes at a price that I'm not willing to pay. That I haven't got time to see my mother. Or I haven't got time to spend with my wife, take her out for a coffee. Or I haven't got time to take my kids on a picnic or fishing trip. Or I haven't got time to spend with a friend and have a coffee with him. Don't let that come at that cost. Sure, they're important. Paying the mortgage is important. Paying the bills is important. But don't let the enemy, don't let the world convince you it's more important than the relationship you have now. Don't let that happen. So time, investment. If you're here today and you haven't put enough time in those relationships, I just pray right now that God would just speak to you and show you a way that you can do it without losing God is so good. I just want everyone to stand. I just want to pray a general prayer. But you know, if you have a, f- if you just feel like coming out the front, we'd be more than happy to just minister to you. But I just want to pray a general prayer over fathers, mothers, children, brothers, sisters, husbands and wives, friends, sons and daughters. Father, I'm just so thankful for you, Lord God for all that you do. Father, our hearts are open to receive all that you have from us. Lord God, you know the cry of our heart. You can hear it right now, Lord God. You see the tears in our eyes, Father God. Lord God, the things that stand in the way of great relationships, Lord God, is pride. And I just pray against pride right now, Father God. I pray that you humble each and every one of us, Lord God. That our heart, Father God, cries out for more of you, the God of love. I thank you, Father. Lord God, where there's, where there's children, Lord God, that have just, I don't know, taken a step backward right now, Lord God, and maybe lost somewhere in the world. I just pray your Holy Spirit just start to move in their life. I pray that you would orchestrate the situations that they're in right now, Lord God, and direct them back into your house, back to their parents, Lord God. I pray that you bring joy. I pray, Father God, for the parents, Lord God, that there would be peace on their heart right now, that you are, you are the God of hope, and they will always have hope in you, Father God. I'm just
just so thankful for that, Lord. Thankful, Father God, for husbands and wives loving one another always, unconditionally, Lord God. Laying down their life for each other. Pray for men, Lord God, to stand up and just raise holy hands to you with confidence, knowing that you are with them. Let it be a sign of strength, Lord God, when a man raises his hands and just asks you for help. Just pray for the Holy Spirit to work a miracle in each and every one of us right now, Father God. I pray for the future, Lord God, of our children. Pray that they continue to be guided by you, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, where we are weak, you are strong. In the areas where we need help, Holy Spirit, we pray that you guide our thoughts and our hearts. You guide our lips and our tongue, Lord God, to speak with grace and love. And I see, Father God, a multitude, a multitude just worshipping you, Father God, and giving you thanks and boasting in the power of the Holy Spirit that is within them.